Welcome to the Time Out Podcast with Tony McGettigan. Because we all need a little time out from life. Hi, I'm Mick McLaughlin. You're listening to episode number 50 of the Time Out Podcast, hosted by Tony McGettigan. Well, folks, we've reached the milestone of episode number 50 of the Time Out Podcast. And wherever you're tuned in in the world, a very big welcome to you. And I hope you are well. My first ever guest on the Time Out Podcast back in August 2019 was a famous Dubliner, Brian Warfield of the Wolf Tones. And today, by sheer coincidence, my 50th guest to be featured is also a famous Dubliner. A busker who can be found on Henry Street quite often and has those passing his way in full of admiration for his raw, authentic talent. The first time I heard him, his voice blew me away, a throwback to days of yesteryear and who sings every note with such passion. His following of admirers uh, has grown over the last 10 years steadily, and now there's hundreds of thousands of them from Ireland and all over the world. So I'm very honoured to welcome uh, Mick McLaughlin on to me podcast. Mick, you're very welcome. Tony, how are you doing? I'm Thanks Mick. for having me. Yeah, great to have you, Mick, and uh, how are you keeping? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. Coming slowly out of this pandemic. I had my first vaccine yesterday, so... Any reactions, Mick, to it, or how are you feeling? Um, just a sore arm. It, 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 it sent me asleep for a while, but no, all good, feeling good, feeling cheerful. Yeah, that that means a lot. If you can... Uh, a sore arm, I think, is yeah. uh, not too bad, really, when you consider it. No, it's, yeah. not, it's not a bad thing. But, uh, I can get over that. Yeah. But anyway, Mick, you've got a, an amazing story, and I'm going to be sort of delving into different areas of that story. But uh, to start with, Mick, I suppose... The first time that you came to my attention was on a YouTube video and uh, you were busking on the streets of Dublin. I'm nearly sure it was the old triangle. I, I, I heard uh, you sing and you had a, a backpack on your on your back and you were walking through the yeah. streets of Dublin. Your, your busking, Mick, your voice is, is really special and you've been busking for the last 10 years or more. Yeah, but just over 10 years, yeah. Um, on Henry Street. I don't play anywhere else in Dublin. Henry Street to me is is home, you know. It, it's just, it's what made me who I am. Singing on that street to the people that are on that street on a daily basis, you know. Um, it just happens that the day we were in town, myself and, and my partner, we were in town and there was nobody. It was in November last year and there was hardly anyone around. And I, I had, I had, my heart was breaking because I couldn't be out busking, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, we walked the full length of Henry Street, and the answer said to me, "Mick, sing a song. Go on." So I took the guitar out, sang the old triangle, and it was posted on Facebook. It got a good reaction in November, and then New Year's Eve, somebody tweeted it, and it just took off again. Paul McGrath tweeted it, Callum Best retweeted it. It was a lot of people that were getting behind that video, you know, and it just, it made me feel proud to be a Dubliner singing the old triangle on an empty street during a pandemic in Dublin. Yes. You know, and it brought so many people that weren't in Dublin home again. It did. You know, and made me realise how... Much I missed Dublin. I missed being in town. Oh, it broke my heart. You know, with the comments that I was getting from people saying it brought them home for that, whatever length of time it was, that's three minutes of that video. And there's people that I've watched it on a daily basis, you know. Yes. Um, and there was, there's one comment and I took a screenshot of it and I have it now. Um, and I'll remember this one forever. It just said, this will be the definitive version of this song for the rest of my life. That's huge praise. You know, and that hit me. Yeah. That that in itself, for someone from New Zealand to post that. Yeah. You know, that made it something special. Well, you know, when you consider the old triangle, it's a really famous Irish song and... You know, yeah. when you hear it there, it's a song, obviously, great association with Dublin, and Dublin's such a, a special place, Mick. And as I say, you were in a very a very strange time for the for the country uh, as the pandemic was sort of starting last March. It must have hit you really hard. Not it being did, yeah. 
always did, yeah. Not being able to busk, not being able to gig. You know, literally, I was busking, say, on a Monday. And then Tuesday, whoosh, we're, we're suspending your license. Yeah. You know, no support, no, well, we'll try and figure out doing something for you. Or it was literally just the, 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 the rug was pulled right out from under the busking community of Dublin. Yeah. Um, and Ireland, you know, but, you know, uh, a lot of us banded together and we, 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 we kind of just, it just got hard. And what happened then was I, I was in, in lockdown and I decided just to start doing some live shows on Facebook. Yeah. And it grew and it grew and it grew and then people were waiting for me to go live and messaging me, are you going live on Friday? You know, people were building their whole, I know that everyone had to stay at home, but people were building their evenings over sitting, streaming me on the TV and watching with their friends or their family and having a few drinks and watching me singing live. It became a centerpiece. It just became something that people enjoyed to do yes. and were, were, were waiting to do, you know, and people then were sending in requests. People were requesting songs and CDs and, you know, giving people shout outs for their birthday or somebody was have maybe found out that they were ill or, you know, and somebody requested me to give their dad or their mom or their son or daughter a, a hello. Yes. meant so much to people. People would say to me, like, uh, how much of a difference me being live on Facebook made to them. And I'm kind of going, but I took me, a, it, it's, it's still, I still, I still find it hard to understand it. Well, I, you know, I, I suppose, Mike, what really and truly, you know, a lot of things, it's, it's, it's a two way street. You were missing the fact that you were out busking and the people that are listening to you, Mike, uh, obviously entertainment and all that was taken away from them too, you know. Yeah. So they needed, you know, the fact that you were doing what you were doing. Uh, that that's invaluable to people that are listening to you. That's the thing. And when I did get back busking, the reception I received from the public, from the staff of the shops, from the members of Angardi Suyakana, to firemen driving past me, stopping the fire engine and going, you're back. Well yes. done. Lovely to see you. Yeah. Women, old ladies come that would pass me, that would I would see on a daily basis were coming up to me and hugging me. Yeah. It's lovely to see you back. I heard you from O'Connell Street, so I decided to come down and say hello to you. Yes. You know, and that in itself, the people of Dublin, like, I, I was missed. You were And that made me feel so worth something, do you get me? Well, to hear that voice uh, echoing around the streets, uh, there on Henry Street, you know. It was lovely. I was out today, and the amount of people that, made their way down Henry Street to hear me, to just stand in front of me, to to, to maybe video whoever may be at home and say, ha, I'm standing here with Mick, you know, taking pictures with me. And the fact that they're able to do it again, and rather than, I got one comment from a lad, it's lovely to be able to stand in front of you rather than watch it on my phone. Yeah, it is. The personal, the personal. You know, personal. and it was lovely. Yeah. And you know, Mick, I suppose when we look back at the very the, the beginning, of of your busking uh, when you when you started when you developed this voice that people are like love all around Ireland and beyond, uh, your voice actually came about from a, a medical condition. It came out by chance. The fact that it's so low, I got laryngitis, and was informed of the fact that I had laryngitis, and I was to uh, not sing, and I had a really important gig that night, and I decided to. Uh, from want of a better phrase, give the the, the doctors the, the two fingers and go and do my gig. But probably the best and worst thing I ever did because the worst thing had happened because I, I'd lost my voice for just under three months. Yeah. Nothing came out. And I mean nothing. Not even a peep. And when it did come back, it was just under three full keys lower. Wow, that's a big difference. So I couldn't hit those high notes anymore. Yes. To the to way I used to be able to do them. You know, I had to drop down, which then brought to somebody asking me to sing Dublin in the Rare Old Times. Yes. And when I did, the comments were mind-blowing, the fact that people would say to me, this is sound like Ronnie Drew. You were and then when I'd sing yeah. a Luke Kelly song, they'd get the fact that, holy shit, you can hear Luke Kelly in that voice, like, you know. 
And it's just because I sing with such gusto, because I love these songs. I'm so passionate about keeping the Dubliners music alive. Because we've only got one left. We only have John Sheehan left. Yes. You know, and with the, you know, and it, it, it just, with all the lads gone, there's no music. So we need to keep the likes of me and lads that are playing in bars, singing songs. We need to keep them songs in people's ears. Well, what you're doing is powerful, Mike. Because, because those, yeah, those songs are, are legendary Irish songs. Yeah. And it, it, it's the likes of the old triangle and grace and the town I love so well. And starting on his simplicity. And then we could jump to the furies with sweet 16 and the green fields of France and then jump to the, to the, to the, the wolf tones with Dublin songs, the likes of the helicopter song and the streets of New York and stuff like that. People that songs that grab people and make people go, hang on. Yeah. I remember that song, but I never heard a sound like that. That's right. You put your own twist to it. That's, that's the way I get that comment a lot. Yes. I've never heard that song sound like that before. Yeah. Well, that's uh, vital for me, for any singer that's uh, taking up um, singing is that the studio. You know, it's, you, know. you have to put your own twist on it. You can't, Fortunately, my voice sounds the way it does. I can pull off these songs. I've heard lads singing Dublin in the rare old times that have blown my mind that don't even have a Dublin accent. Yeah, get me? I know what you mean. But when you can sing those kind of songs in your own voice yeah. and not have to kind of Europeanize your voice just so everyone can hear what you're saying. No, there's, there's something special about the way you sing it, Mike, in a number of ways, and especially added on top of that, as you have quite rightly said, you're from Dublin, you're from Kulak originally. Yeah. So that that to me makes the song when you're singing those songs, you can actually hear the passion in your voice of 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 the it's, love. It's it's from what I was brought up with. It was my dad was there was always there was music. There was his friends played guitars. Dad played mandolins and accordions and God knows what else. My dad would play, but the the best thing about it was dad always supported me. He never said no. Yeah. He always would 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 tr- let me try an instrument or. And then, uh, like, guitar, guitar is just my passion. You know, I love playing guitar, but it wouldn't even matter if I couldn't play guitar because I can sing. I, 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 it's the singing more so for it me. It is, but I think it adds to, I think it adds to, to the guitar along with it. But yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you're singing. Even definitely. when it comes to the busking, some days it's not even, it's, it's not about me. It's just about going out for my own sanity yes. and singing my heart. Yeah, you certainly do that, Mick. Uh, like, yeah. You know, there's times I'll get through a song and I'll, the tears will be rolling down my eyes because I feel that song. Like somebody might request a song, you know. Um, for instance, today, a couple of weeks ago, there was a homeless girl that lost her life. And her partner came up to me and asked me to sing a particular song today. Now, he, they were together so long and they were homeless together. And the fact that he had asked me to sing this song, I, I was halfway through it and, you know, it just hit me why I was singing this song and looking at his face and seeing how happy and sad all in the one time he was by me singing this song for Yes. It hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? Yeah. A lot of songs mean a lot to a lot of people for different yeah. for different reasons. Uh, oh, it does. It certainly does. Just, uh, it certainly is a yeah. wide spectrum of and feelings. Can you tell me the first time, Mick, what happened when your dad heard you sing? Oh, dad. Your dad never... He kind of... He knew. He heard me singing. Look, he'd heard me singing before. But he'd never heard me doing ballads and doing the Dubliner stuff. So kind of, I got a gig in a local pub and my sister decided that they'd bring, she'd bring mum and dad with my other sisters down for dad's birthday. Yeah. And when I started to sing, I could see my dad going, that's what's coming out of his mouth now. Yeah. You know, and I sang all my dad's favourite songs, World Rover, you know, Black Velvet Band, stuff I heard my dad listening to when he was, when I was young. Yes. And I could see the point on his face. Yeah. The, you know, at one stage, Dr. Kelly was crying. You know, and it was the next day when Mam said it, like he, he couldn't even bring himself to tell me how proud he was. Mam told me, he told Mam to tell me, you know. But my dad is my biggest supporter when it comes to stuff I put up on Facebook and everything, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's great because he lets everyone know that he's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's deadly, you know, because he'll put a comment up. And then it'll be at the end, it'll be like, 
dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. I love it. He's you know, I love. I love. He's he's proud of me. Yeah. He's proud of where I where I've gotten from. Like even to when I when I was homeless. Like we we, we were. I was homeless for a couple of years. Yeah. And nobody knew. I never told anyone. I, I just didn't want to burden anyone with my problems. I never did. And when Dad found out, he was like, "Why didn't you just tell me?" Yeah. Because you know, you're not. You think you're better off things to be doing than me looking after me, you know, and worrying about me. So I kind of just, I'd, I'd drop out and everything, everything was cool. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that sound as, you know. Um, but it was down to the, to the, when they put, I, I done a, a, a similar interview for a, a, a news, for an, an Irish newspaper, you know, and my story, they told my story and it was when dad read it and mum and dad read it. I don't, when they see me the next day, I don't think they knew what way to react. Yes. You know, and I took mom a couple of, a couple of while, you know, a couple of weeks, and she said to me, she says, we never knew. Yeah. I, said, I never told you. You never, you not, never let me you know. No, I just didn't want to burden them on, like, they're my parents, they reared me, they brought me up the right way. I left the, the nest. I leave the nest, I'm on my own. I don't, you know, I go back, um, you know, I love my parents. I love my parents with a passion. Um, but I just didn't feel the need to burden them with my problems at that age of life, at that stage in life, you know. And I, I, well, like, that's understandable, Mick, but at the same time, I suppose, uh, you can see where they're coming from too. They're probably oh, I, worried, but. I know. totally got it, but they, 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 they only start worrying when they knew. Yeah. You know, but uh, as I said, there was, you, you didn't worry, you didn't need to worry when, it, when uh, I didn't let you need, I didn't let, you feel the need to worry, you know. But it was just, yeah, it just happened. I met so many good people when I was homeless, you know. Some people that 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 showed me the where to go and what street not to walk down at a certain time and who to talk to and who to trust and you know. And it was nice. Yes, you, there's a camaraderie among homeless people that. Unless you've been homeless, unless you've experienced that situation, you will never understand. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to understand. And how long ago was it, Mick, that you were homeless? How long ago? Yeah, a couple of years, a few years ago. And, um, yeah. You know, and I was two years homeless. Two years. And, you know, there was a friend of mine had a shop and he looked after all my equipment and um, I'd, I'd, I'd get cleaned up and, and in other businesses, facilities and you know, I'd go off and about my day and I'd do my busking and, you know, I kept myself clean and presentable and it was just the way I was. I prided in myself and I just didn't want to let people know that I was down. Yes. And then it was when I had, I had a breakdown just before the lockdown. And then I kind of realized when I spoke about my problems that people were, were getting Yes. You know what I mean? People are finding hope in it. Yes. You know, and it comes to hope. It, um, I, I live by hope, you know, and now you have to. Well, there's a lot of, I have, I got some tattoos during the lockdown. You know, um, a lot of people get love and hate on their, tattooed on their fingers. I changed that hate to hope. Yes. You know, because love and hope is all we've got to live by. And, it's just my 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 reasoning. Um, I I I I love going into town. I love seeing homeless people that I know or some I don't know. I you know, even if it's just to sit there and have a chat with them, maybe give them a cigarette or buy them a coffee or a couple of quid. It's that time, and there's a lot of people, you know, wouldn't understand why. Some people would look at me and go, "You don't see the homeless bloke." Yes. And then what are you doing? Like, doing that, sitting on the ground and all. That wouldn't realise that I was that homeless person sitting on the ground. Yes. You were. You know. Yeah. Um, that, and that's where where my my understanding comes from. And uh, I'm I'm currently under. I'm just figuring out a process of. I I issued a challenge to people to join me. A full weekend. Of a homeless, a homeless experience, you know, yeah. from, from the weekend, start Friday with absolutely nothing. And I mean, literally just watch your standing in and we'll spend the weekend homeless and it, it, it will enlighten people. Yeah. Well, I have about 20 people that have, have signed up to it. 
that would be possibly enough to, to, to you know, to to break up into a couple of groups. Well, it probably would but change just, the, the outlook from a lot of people. Yeah, to share, the, share that experience for people that would have never been homeless. No. And, and would never face, would never even contemplate facing homelessness, you know. It's something that must be, it must be a very um, a tough situation to be in. But Mick, when you, when you got into that situation, uh, I was talking to you in the pre-interview, uh, and we were talking that you got into this situation because you had a deposit for a, for a flat and you decided instead that you basically you went you went on yeah. the cruise with it I literally went on a rip yeah um, a few things went wrong in my life and um, decided just to go on a bender yeah and then realised when that bender was over that I had a uh, shilling you had nothing to fall back on I had nothing and I was still proud to go and ask for help yes so I continued my busking I continued doing what I was doing and survived. Yeah, you've come out the other end of it. In a roundabout way, yeah, and then the lockdown happened. Yeah. You know, like, um, the lockdown happened and that hit me hard because I had built up some gigs. I had built up a good following. I had built up a decent income and a decent life, you know. Yes. And that was all whipped away. And that hit me hard because I ended up, I was living on my own at the start of the lockdown and when you're living on your own and you have no communication and you have no outside world bar virtual you know it kind of got got to me and I did attempt to take my life yes um, on an overdose of Valium and vodka which the amount I took should have actually killed me but for some strange reason I woke up the next day yes and for that whole few hours, maybe five or six hours of a hangover and feeling foggy, I had this realization that right, I'm not I'm here I shouldn't be here, but I'm here, right. Yeah. Let's start talking about this. You'd ask yourself So I started to make my feelings and my situation and the fact that I suffer with mental health problems, I suffer with depression and anxiety public. Yes. And maybe with me, because a lot of people follow me, if somebody, most people might hear me talking openly about the fact that, yeah, I suffer with mental health, maybe that can make them realise, hang on, well, if Mick can open his mouth about suffering with mental health and people kind of are afraid to open their mouth if he's not afraid, well, maybe if I'm not afraid, I can open up my mouth and talk. And There's definitely a stigma. There's definitely a stigma. You know, and say, look, I, I, I talked openly. I talked to anyone openly about my situation. And if I can offer help to anyone, I will. Like yes. My phone number is public on my Facebook page. My information is public on my Facebook page. Um, which I, I'll, 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 I'll talk to anyone. I'll chat to anyone. I'll, I'll answer my phone to anyone. Yeah, it's an important you know, message and, too. It's an important um, thing. I started up a Facebook page called Big Boys Do Cry. Yeah. And that's helping a lot of people as well. You know, um, I got a lot of support with that. Um, as regards, you know, people sharing my page and, 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 and showing people that, like, showing, like, maybe girls showing their boyfriends. Look, there's a page. Yeah. In and people have contacted me, you know. Yeah. Um, for instance, I, I done a, I done a podcast before, and when I spoke openly about my situation, um, a couple of days later, I got a a message from some from a lady, and she told me basically that she went to work this particular morning, and her son was getting ready for school, and she went to work and left him at home, but. He had other other ideas. He was going to take his life. He was going to hang himself. But when he went to say goodbye on Facebook, he came across my interview and listened to it. Yes. And rang his mother and asked her to come home and told her absolutely everything. I see. And she contacted me to, to thank me for for giving her son the power to uh, open his mouth and save his life. You tell you what, you can't get any more powerful than that to save no, someone's life. You can't. You know? It's it and it's it's situations like that make you realise that opening my mouth was a good thing. It was. 
Of most certainly was because if I stay, if I had to stay quiet, possibly that young lad would not be here right now. Well, the fact that you did do that, make uh, just shows you that uh, that you can definitely there's somebody out there that is listening that could be helped, and we I think we'd encourage anyone that's listening to this podcast as well, Mick, that if anyone is oh yeah yeah if anyone is struggling, regardless of, of of age anything, just just pick up the phone or go on the Facebook. Find big boys do cry and send me a message with your number and I will call you. Yeah, that's on Facebook. Or I will get somebody to call you and I will get you out of that situation that you're in as best I can. Yes. Or any other other outlet that you could find. You know, any other phone number that you could ring, reach out to a friend, reach out to somebody that you think you can trust. Yes, that's invaluable. And that's the main, that's the main thing. Somebody you can trust, that you can just open up Regardless of how bad it is and how bad you're feeling, yes, don't cry on your own. That's my advice. Do not cry on your own. Don't don't suffer on your own. No, don't suffer on your own. Yeah, there's always somebody out there that's willing to sit down and listen to you and offer you help. There is. I'm one of them. Yeah, there is. Making us just for sure. Um, I think we're all like. I know if there's if there's anyone struggling as well, this this out there. You know, there's so many different avenues and. Uh, even my own podcast there, you know, I'm on Instagram, I've got the timeoutpodcast.ie and uh, if there's anyone out there that uh, is struggling, as Mick says, you know, send somebody a message, you know, and, and there's there's people there that can help as well. There's, there, there, there are people that can help on a personal basis and then on that personal basis we can help people get professional That's help. right, yes. You know, because if you're willing to talk to a to, to me, I'd be willing to put time in and help you get where you need to be and the help you need to get. You know, um, I'm no, by no means I'm a professional, I'm not qualified at anything. I'm qualified at life. Yes, that's I've lived a life. I know, I know what ups and downs. I've had a roller coaster of it. You know, I've come out the far side and I, I feel I'm in a position that I, as, as, as you just said there, I'm in a position to, to be able to offer some. You are. You're in a better position. You're in a better position than, than, than people that obviously, um, you know, haven't been in that situation of being in that that last thread of hanging on, and you felt that you know there was no other route for you. So yeah. in that in that sense, um, you're definitely a great avenue for people to to go down. And just before we move on, Mick, uh, I want to talk to you as well about you know the situation of homelessness in Ireland in general. There's there's not enough being done for the homeless of Ireland, and like when you even see Henry Street there, uh, make like you, you, I remember talking to you, you were telling me that there's no, tents, yeah, tents, you know, multiple yeah. tents, and now there are there are a lot of soup runs that are out there, you know, helping people, and you know, giving giving the homeless a handout, you know, and just. You know, they're just, there are a lot of people doing it selflessly, you know, that are in that situation that they, they can help out. Yeah. There's one, there's actually one nearly every night, I think, but there's, there's one on Earl Street a lot and they do have barbers and they'll have, you know, hairdressers for, for the women and barbers for the men. And you know, there's always some clean clothes and some warm food and, you know, Somebody might need a sleeping bag. There's a sleeping bag there. Somebody needs some shoes. They will. They'll. They'll make. They'll. They'll do it and get some. Get what they need to make a homeless person comfortable. You know. They'll provide. And it, it, it's a brilliant thing. But this is all being done out of out out of the generosity of people's pockets. You know. Yes. It's it's not government funded, which I find is disgraceful. Yeah, that is. There's a lot of abandoned. There's a lot of abandoned buildings around here, around Dublin. You know. Some that are not even being used, you know, that are just lying idle that they could open up. Yeah, make a centre out of it. You know what I mean? Like what the what happened a few years ago at Apollo House. Yes. That the the the, the occupation of Apollo House. You know, it, it shouldn't have to come to that. No. Those buildings should be set right. They should sit down on the right. We own these buildings. These are owned by the government, so we can allow X amount of people in here. We have securities. There's security companies all over this country that would, I'm telling you, would love, would gladly stand up and provide security for these buildings and these people. 
you know, and, and there's, there's personal individuals that would give up their own personal time to go and help, you know. Yeah, well, they deserve it. They deserve help, and, you know, everyone needs that shelter at yeah, points in their life, you know. You know, it, it, it is. It, it, it's a sad situation to see people in, yeah. um, our own people, you know, and our government are, are, are sitting on their, on their hands and, and, and just, it's, it's like a swept under the carpet society. Yeah, it's turned a blind you eye, know, almost. It's, 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 it's turned a blind eye, and some of the hostels, you know, I know some homeless people that will not uh, go into the hostels, will prefer to stay out on the streets, you know. It's a sad reflection, isn't it? Because it's sheer, for sheer safety reasons, and how it's safer to stay on the street, and I, I understand where they're coming from, because there's a lot of homeless people there that aren't, aren't in homeless situations they're in a homeless situation that don't take drugs and they don't take alcohol um, and some of, some of the places that they're in there were people that do take drugs and do consume alcohol you know and that would be a, that's a scary situation for somebody that's never been in that situation to be just well there's a hostel you go in there and uh, you know and they're not provided it's a scary situation that's right it's not, it's not easy for them so people would, would sooner find themselves on the streets, sleeping yeah. in a doorway, in a sleeping bag, covered in cardboard, or, you know, and for their own safety. That's a sad thought, isn't it, though? It is. It's horrible. I've yeah. been there. I've done that. I've, I've made that decision on, on numerous nights not to go in anywhere. Yeah. And you, you, you've been there, Mick, and, and... Yeah, I've been there, done yeah. that, and, and lived to tell the tale, you know. And I'll never forget that time I spent on those streets. Because those streets, the people that I met along the way will be friends for the rest of my life, you know. I see them on a daily basis. And they, uh, there was anonymous people that helped me. You know, there'd be people that would, that would knew my situation that w without them letting me know that they knew my situation, if you get me. I get you. You know, and then there'd be other people that would realize or would find out that I was in that homeless situation that would come up to me, say, maybe on a Thursday evening and go, here, look, I booked you into this decent hostel or this hotel for the weekend. There you go, and just look after yourself. You know? the compassion. And it, it'd be nice. And and then there'd be, like, people would anonymously donate to me on, on PayPal or whatever. And it, it would just, and you know, they knew, and I know what it was for, you know. Yes. And it, there was one particular donator and I never still I still don't know who it is and then literally the, the donation will come through and it would just it would just always read stay safe stay safe yeah they were trying to do their bit for you yeah, yeah. you know and it's humbling to, to, to think I, 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 I literally still and I still only see myself as the guy that sings on Henry Street I'm just like make the bus go like yes but it's humbling to see that people would would go out of their way to help me yeah to, well to, yeah well, people care you know, about you, Mick, you know. Yeah, it's, it's lovely to, 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 to know that. Yeah. That there's so many people out there that actually care about how I'm doing. That's certainly evident. Uh, you no, know, and it's, 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 it's a lovely thing. It is, Mick. And, you know, you've got a lot of people that, that care about you, and uh, you've come through a very tough situation yourself. And yeah. my thoughts are with anyone that, that is homeless and, and hope it, they can Exactly. It, it, it's, 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 this kind of weather is nice. I know it, it, it's not a thing to say. Like I, I don't mean to put it. It's, it's nice, but it it's easier. Yes. Than being, you know, it's not. It's easier to walk around Dublin on a sunny day. And saying that, then when you got when you're exhausted, some of them have nowhere to go. You know, with hostels, some of them you have to leave the hostel at a certain time, and you're not allowed back in till a certain time. So yes. they're wanderers. They're wandering the streets all day. Yeah. You know and. It's it's when boredom kicks in. That's 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 the worst part. Yes. When the boredom kicks in, and you you're left with maybe five or six hours to literally sit and yeah. just twiddle thumbs, you know, when you're yeah. kind of time time can be yeah, hard. There's only so much walking you can do on a certain day that's without right. your feet giving up, you know. That's right. Um, yeah, but uh, the solution to this for a lot of these, I suppose, people too, like uh, for the people that are homeless, Mike. Uh, it's it's hard to see in a sense of what is the long term solution for the homelessness issue in Ireland. It's the long term 
It's it's uh, if the government continue doing it, it dealing with it the way they're dealing with it, this is never going to go away. No, it's never going to go away. Like there's these ghost estates. Why can't they open these up? Take them over. They're, they're, they're the government of the country. This is their land. Yes. Why can't they just say, right? That's we own. This is the, this is our country. You're not selling them houses. We're taking them over. Yes. End the story, and take fifty houses. And take 50 families. Yes. You know what I mean? And there you go, there's a house. Yeah, like there's houses lying idle around the place that need doing up. Why not give them to people and say, I know it's a bit run down, but we'll let you move in. You can do it up yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of houses just lying idle because there the is. council there or is. whatever, yeah. whoever owns them is just now putting the manpower in, the resources in. To, to getting them up to scratch. There's a lot of them throughout Ireland, I'm sure. Empty houses. Yeah, everywhere. There's lo- in every county. In every county, there's, there's houses lying yeah, idle. Vast amount. Where, and there's people lying on the streets. Yeah. Where these houses could be utilised. And as I say, office blocks. Yeah. Run down shops. Why not convert them? The government have to do more. You know, we solve the situation. And there's, even in England... There's hundreds and thousands of shipping containers in this country. They made hotels out of them shipping containers in England and in other countries. In Japan, they've made, they have hotels made out of shipping containers. They have homes made out of shipping containers. Yes. You know what I mean? There is, a, there, they, they, there is ways to they, basically come There is ways. There's ways of utilizing things that we have. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it's just wrong. It is. It's so wrong to, to, to to put the government to be sitting on their hands and, 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 and not giving the fiddles. So, like. Something has to change in the, in the near future yeah. without a, a, a doubting. Um, so realistically, realistically, we're looking at 10 years. You know, and I'm hoping it's not that long. I'm you know, it's, it's, I'm hoping that there's a day that we get an announcement that the very last registered homeless person has gone home. Yes. You know, but that's that's... That's hoping, man. That's living in hope. It is. But we can only own. That's all we can only well, do. Without, you without know. Hope we haven't got anything else. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's like the same during this pandemic. You know, it's a, uh, it's hope is is a vital thing. But uh, yeah. talk to me about the uh, the song that you've covered, uh, make the town I love so well. One of my favorites. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I I I so I remember when I was a child hearing that song and then getting so annoyed because it wasn't about Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm singing this song and you know, at the, the top of my lungs and then somebody told me it was about Derry and I was like, Where's yeah, that? That's right. Phil you know, as, as a young kid going, Where's that? Yeah. And they say, No, it's up the north. Oh it's not about Dublin, like that no, I don't like that song. But it's just <laughs> one of those songs. It, it it's Lou Kelly's version is it, beautiful. It is. Um I just love to sing it. Yes. In in, in you, you, you I see the reaction when I start to sing it, you know, and when when people will stop and listen, it, it's it's a it's a lovely thing. It is. Um, it's a beautiful song written written beautifully. Like Phil Gould has done a beautiful, stunning job on it. Like it is. Um, and it just it. reads even even to sit and read the words. Yeah. Without even singing, it's beautifully it, like, put together. It, it's it's be- It's a beautiful song. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tell me about the songs uh, Monto and Hand Me Down Me Bible. Monto is a famous part of Dublin. Um, you know, it's a lovely part of Dublin. It's a part of North Inner City. And I just loved the song. I was always the Lou Kelly version. And I went to the studio a while ago to record it. And on the way, the Ronnie Drew a cappella version came out. And that's the one I do from now on. And I haven't done it any, any other way since. It's just... It's one of them songs when you hear it, it's it's a, it's it's a it's a, a foot stomper. Yes, it is. You it's, know, it's a, it's a popular song. And um, yeah, it, it, it's just it's a lovely old song. It's it's great. And hand me down my Bible is another one that goes along with that kind of speed of of foot stomper. In in a, in a, even in a pub situation, the glasses will be raised, the songs will be sang, people will be singing along with you. You know, that, yeah. that hand me down me boy, well, the, the Lou Kelly version is lovely again, you know, but there's, there's another couple of versions that I've heard that are great. And I kind of just, 
you know, merged them all together and, and came up with my own version. Yeah, well, that's nice to be able to do that, Mick. And, you know, you've done a great justice. I can say that much uh, for sure. And before I go any further, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to my podcast for the first 50 episodes. Uh, it's a great honour that uh, anyone at all, to be honest with you, will listen to me. So uh, delighted to have reached uh, episode 50. And a big thank you as well to all the, the sponsors that have helped me along the way. And for more information on my podcast and to see all the previous podcasts, it's the timeoutpodcast.ie and you'll get all information there and all the links to all the platforms that we're on, including this very interview with Mick McLaughlin. Well, Mick, we're on to the final part of the interview and a number of questions I want to throw to you. Uh, in any walk of life, Mick, there's always people uh, that are successful. There's always people that are along the I suppose you could say on on the troll line that don't like yeah. to see people doing well. You've encountered oh, yeah. that yourself, and there was one great story I found about someone who said that you weren't actually singing the song. Yeah, there was a video posted, and one particular comment. If you look closely, I've slowed the video down. Blah blah blah. You know, he's not actually singing that song. Yeah, and I'm kind of going. Is she talking about me? Yeah. Like? <laughs> me not singing the song. Yeah, you know, I like kind of, I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I issued a challenge then. So I, I challenged her, and I issued the fact that uh, I had a, a substantial amount of money that I was willing to, to uh, bet, to bet her that she would stand in front of me and look at me, and she accepted and appeared in front of me with a six friends, family members, and the whole lot. And when she realised it was actually me. She was so, so, so embarrassed, embarrassed, and just <laughs> she could see the look in her face going. I just made a fool of myself all over social media. I would have loved to have seen her face, and you know, you know, and she paid the bet. She did, and every single person that was with her had the bet as well. They paid me as well. Um, yeah, you know, it was so nice to. But in the same sense, when people, there are a lot of haters out there, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like seeing people doing well, or would say, you know, even, you know, you see comments on videos, and you see certain things, or that was set up, or this was done, or this was done just for publicity, or, you know, it's stuff like that, and that's, that's, that's the funny part of it, you know. Well, one thing I will say about that woman, and I will give her her dues, is the fact that she actually turned up at all because she did, yeah. You know, that that's that's what got me. I was like, uh, oh yeah, yeah they actually turned up. A lot of people was, in that situation wouldn't have turned up. No, you know, I think she wanted it because I, I I publicly challenged her. Yeah, and there was a lot of people getting on that, trying to urging her to accept the challenge. I see. So she had no option. You know, and literally, I was I put my money where my, where my mouth was, and she paid up. She took the challenge, she accepted the bet, and that's the way it went. Right. And it was nice. Well, you, you know, and she apologised, and she did apologise, and everything. She publicly apologised to me and all, so it was nice. Well, if the world worked like that more, I'll tell you, it'd be a happier world, where if somebody's proven wrong, they'll say, but that's, you know, put their hands up. Yeah, it, it, it's nice like that, when, you, when somebody is proven wrong, and it's nice of them to, to admit it. Like, yeah. So, in, in the same sense, when you talk about haters, like... um. There's a lot. I have a lot of supporters, and they say, without one particular man, I wouldn't be busking because I would have gave up, and Archie wouldn't let me. And Archie is a man who will hold dear in my heart for the rest of my life. Your friend Archie. Because yeah, um, I when I started off busking, it was just me and a, and, a, and a guitar, literally, and for a couple of years. And Archie used to come up to me every day. And I mean, Monday to Friday, every morning. And he'd buy me coffee and he'd give me a few quid. I'd sing Declan O'Rourke's Galileo for him. Yes. And this went on every day, every week for a number of years. And just, I seen him on the, on the, on the, the week up to Monday to Friday. And the following week, no, actually, Monday, no, actually, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, actually, not here. No, weekend. Must have gone on holidays or something. Yeah. And mid through the next week, his son approached me and informed me that Archie had passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But 
we'll get back to the to just before I actually passed away. I was giving up busking. I yeah. was just kind of because the amps were coming out and I was I couldn't be heard anymore. I was getting drowned out by the, the amps were um were out in full force, you know. And I was just me and the guitar, and I know my voice is loud, but I wasn't that loud. I was being drowned out. And I had had a chat with Archie and told him I was giving up, and he was like, "Ah, oh, Jesus, who's going to sing me song now?" Like, yeah, you know. So a couple of days later, he arrived with a receipt from the music shop. With it on this receipt, there was an amp and a guitar and a microphone and a microphone stand and everything I needed to compete with these amps, so I could stay busking, which enabled me to do better versions of songs. Yes. And other songs that I wasn't able to do before. So on a daily basis, Archie was getting a better and better and better and better and better version of Galileo. He showed you great you know, and, and other songs. Everyone was getting the benefit of it, you know. Yes. But when when it came to his son coming down to me to tell me that he had passed away, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, it would have, I'm sure. You know, the man that stuck his neck out for me is complete and utter stranger, could we, should we say, you know. Somebody that just passed me on a daily basis and got enjoyment out of me singing one particular song. He believed in where you were going. He believed in that I could do better than just a guitar. Yes. You know, and he wasn't letting me give up. Yeah. But the lovely thing was when his son approached me was what he said to me about his dad's last year words. Yes. Were to him... If you do not get Mick McLaughlin, the busker, to sing at my funeral, I'll haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. And that was, I had the pleasure of singing Archie out of this world. Yes. Um, you know, and it was so lovely. I got to speak. I was asked to speak at his funeral and, you know, to say how I knew him and how I, we became friends. And, and it was lovely for his friends and family to understand why I was there. Yes. And why I was asked to speak at his funeral. You know, and the comments, the people that were coming up to me after the funeral, his family and his his relations and stuff, it was lovely. You meant a lot to him. I, I did, yeah. yeah. He meant a lot to me as well, you know. Yes. He was a lovely man. He never, he was, he was never in a bad mood. And, you know, it was lovely. I set him up for the day to go to work for one song. And that one song was was in memory of us. It was a song his wife used to love, and she had passed. Yes. So me singing that for him every day was reminding him of her singing it in the morning in the house every yeah, morning. Galileo. Yeah. Yes. Um, I record I, I recorded a version of it um, a while ago, and it was lovely because I contacted Declan O'Rourke and I asked him. I know most people don't ask musicians' permission to do covers of songs, but I asked Declan, would it be all right? And he, he agreed, and he, it was lovely. And he, he said, well, you didn't have to ask. He said, but it, it, it's lovely that you did, you know. Yeah, it was respect to the song it was, it was beautiful um, to do. You know, um, yeah. it's a lot of people I've encountered in life that, that I'm here because of. And there's one woman in particular right now in my life that I would not be here only for her. Yes. Because Leonja Jordan is my partner. Yes. She's the woman I am going to grow old and frail with. For the rest of my life, I will owe this woman my life. Because she, through anyone, when I was, I had a breakdown and when I was feeling low and I wanted to give up, again, she wouldn't let me give up. Yes. Um, she was the one that that was uh showed me who I was, you know, what I was worth inside, rather than just being the musician that everyone seen me to be, you know. Yes. And without her giving me the faith that she did give me, I wouldn't be around today. Yes. And literally, as I say that, she walks in the door and kisses me. <laughs> Wasn't that nice to be uh, touched to the podcast? <laughs> and, you know, literally, without Leonce, I wouldn't be here. She's the one that showed me who I was, who I was worth. What it felt like to be actually truly loved. Yes. And 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 it, it, it's just one of those humbling things. I will grow old with this woman. I will 
not that I've, I'm grey already, but I get so much greyer and white. Well, and I'll tell you what, you with, can't beat the love of a good woman. No, you can't. And, you know, she brought me into her family. She, she embraced me for me. Not yeah. for the fact that I was Mick McLaughlin, the busker. And, you know, it was for me. It was for inside me. She, when she was having bad days, and it was only when I found out, like some days she'd come into town and she was having a bad day, she'd head straight for me yeah. and stand across and listen to me. You know, and I, I never knew that. Yeah. Until she told me. You know, and there'd be days, and she'd send her kids over and the kids would put money in it. I remember meeting the kids for the first time, the two girls, and when I, when I, I approached them, they were like, man, that's Rockstar from town. <laughs> you know, and that in itself was, was a beautiful thing that these two girls see me as the Rockstar that our mom likes listening to, you know. That's fantastic. And, and the fact that I had met her mom in town and given her mom flowers, I was like, they were like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? It was lovely, you know. And Hallelujah, too, was her favourite favorite song that you were singing at that stage. Hallelujah, yeah. yeah. That was one of them songs that would make her stop and listen. And it was Hallelujah for you, you know, Mick, to meet her. It was, it's for me, yeah. It was a Hallelujah moment for me to meet her, yeah. We have a kindred spirit, yeah. It was the same. We laugh at the same stupid stuff. We like the same programmes. We listen to the same kind of music, yeah. Yeah, and you're together one year now, just uh, almost in a few On weeks. On the 25th, one year, yeah. Yeah, a week. I'm alive when an extra whole year because of this woman on the 25th in a week's time, yeah. That's a great milestone to reach, the for, you know, a year it's, together. It's lovely, yeah. It's yeah. lovely. But, Mick, before we finish off the podcast, uh, I just want to say uh, one other thing to you before announcing as well where people can purchase your music. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know already. But I want to say to you, uh, are, are you into the GA? Because... Uh, Dublin are Dublin are winning everything around them, making it. it Dublin are running rings around everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the GAA. Yes. I love the fact. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing Dublin play. I love seeing Dublin winning. But when we get to the final, I'm always going, "Ah, come on, lads, give the other man a little bit." We've done it six years in a row. Yeah. You know, it's. The teams are hungry now. I'm, I'm hoping to get back to Croke Park soon. To be able to be on the hill. To, to see somebody giving Dublin a game. Yeah. Well, tell you what they have. Someone to come and make Dublin have to, have to play. Yes. Instead of the hand pass and the Mickey Mouse and around, make them have to play for that game. Well, it's a good point you make, Mick, because that's what has to happen. The teams that are, yeah. instead of people complaining about Dublin, it's the teams that are coming up that yeah. have to raise their game. They need to they need to rise up. They, yeah. like, I, I I know I'm from Dublin and I know I'm a Dublin supporter. There's some boys. But yeah. there's other there's there's team, there's lads on other teams that are as hungry and they're not getting the opportunities, you know. No. Um it's uh but they should just get up get the ball, get up a half an hour earlier. Dublin <laughs> and all the Dublin lads are always up. Get on the week. You know, they have to get up earlier. They're just gonna have to get up earlier and have an extra week to mix. Well, of course the last team to beat Dublin in the Championship, Mick, it was 2014 Donegal. That's right, Donegal, 2014. That's yeah. crazy statistic. That's, it's, it is, yeah. But, you know, it's, um, and that was a great game. It was. But Dublin that was a hard, it. that was a hard fought game. It was. Dublin learned a, a, a valuable lesson that day. I always maintain that day that Jim McGuinness created, a, the Dublin team before that, they were an animal of a team. But I think Jim yeah. McGuinness actually created a, the beast that we see and he start, at this, in the sense of the start of this team. Because oh, yeah. they, they, That's uh, it. They, they changed their game to be able to... I they did, because they, they fought for that Donegal game so hard. Yeah. And to lose. They did, yeah. They did. You know, um, that made them kind of sit back and go, all right, we're not invincible, we're not, like, right, let's go, lads. And they got up earlier. They had more Weetabix, they done more training. They stopped going out on nights out. That's right. You know, and they became the powerful Dublin GEA team that they are now, the champions. Oh, right, you know, and it's, it's, it's historical it is. to see, 
you know, and I loved, I, I miss going to Croke Park, I miss being on the hill, I miss hearing the roars. Great atmosphere. You know, the atmosphere, the buzz, watching the lads run out, both teams, cheering for everyone, yeah. you know. Um, and the camaraderie in, in Crow Park of, 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 of both sides and both fans is, is beautiful. It is. It is, it is a very And you miss the crack, you miss the banter. You do. With the other team, the only other supporters coming out, whatever, whatever case may be the game, whatever way the game went, you know, you'll have the banter, you'll have the crack. Yeah. And there's always a sing song and, you know, there's always a bit of crack to be had. Well, that's, saying, what, that's what we're missing. They're saying that's going to come back. This, like, there, there'll be at least half a crowd at all in final, they're saying. Yeah. I'm hoping, yeah. Oh, well, if somebody's listening and they can get me a, a ticket for the all in final, I'll cut your grass and wash your windows for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could be, uh, that'll be a, a prize ticket, I'll tell you. Yeah, but, I'm telling you. But I suppose... It'd be, it'd be like Willy Wonka's golden tickets. It will be, it will be. But Donegal will just come back there for that game, Mick. Dub- Donegal, I suppose, were overlapping Dublin that day because Dublin were attacking so much. And I think, that's, that's, right, I think yeah. that's the one thing that Dublin have brought into their game is they're, they're more methodical since that. That's you know. right, yeah. Donegal taught them a valuable lesson. Yeah. And since, you know, since that, watch Dublin, the ball. Yeah, Dublin haven't been breached much since that, I'll tell you. No, they haven't. For, They've for tightened up so much. and it was, it, As you say, well, it, it was down to Donegal teaching them that lesson. Showing yeah. them. Like, this is where their weaknesses are. This is why we beat you. Yeah, and and taking that on board and and saying, um, you know, this is why we were beaten. So we're not going to be beaten on this scale anymore. No, they certainly learned from it. And uh, again, uh, a big congratulations, Tall, to yourself and Dublin on the six in a row that you're on. Oh yeah. But before we finish off, Mick, I just want to say to people that's listening to this podcast that if you want, if you're interested and go check um, check Mick McLaughlin on YouTube, you'll see a lot of his videos there of all the various videos that he has hundreds of thousands of views on a lot of videos. But as well, to purchase Mick's music, go to Mick McLaughlin Bandcamp. And you will see all his albums there available for purchase, Mick. And any few words, Mick, do you want to say on that? Um, yeah, my music is, is available, as you said, on Bandcamp. Um, I also have hard copy CDs. But then it's down to the people that listen to me, to the way I'm still going. It's down to people that will buy my CDs and, you know, download my music and watch my videos. And I owe it all to them. Um, and I just want to thank everyone for the support throughout the years. And, listening and especially the people that are going to that will possibly only hear me for the first time on your podcast Tony you know and thanks for listening thanks for the support thanks for having on in there through the lockdown yeah um, definitely have for being you know um, without people supporting me I, 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 I'd have probably given up and, and be working in, in, in Ikea or something yeah I know you're <laughs> well music what you love you know, doing it's just yeah it was as I say Leon she wouldn't let me give up yeah. So she kept pushing me and pushing support. me, and you know she's she's my backbone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's definitely your backbone, Mick, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, Mick, I have to say it's been an absolute honour featuring you on uh, my fiftieth podcast. Thanks very much, Tommy. Thanks for having me, and thanks for even thinking of me. Um, it's a pleasure to be involved in such a wonderful thing. Um, being uh, an honour to be involved in your podcast and be number 50 to who was number one you know and thanks for having me thanks for your listeners tip for listening and anyone that discovers me to to after this podcast welcome to the world of Mick McLaughlin yeah well I'll tell you what they'll be delighted Mick because they'll be uh, you know a lot of people I'm guessing the large portion of this will already know but if there is people that we can help you know that's the, the great thing that I suppose if, uh, when they discover new music, that's all. It's always happening, and uh, yeah. I would certainly like to wish you and your family, Mick, all the very best, and uh, on your continued route busking as well. Because uh, I'll tell you what, there's no finer busker. Thanks very much, Tony. God bless. Um, enjoy the podcast so far, and can tell me they they long continue past 50, 60, 70, 80. <laughs> Keep them going. Well, people will God be, bless. People will be fairly sick listening to me, Mick. But uh, thanks nah. a million, Mick. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Mick. Cheers. Okay, folks, there you have it. Episode number 50 of the Time Out podcast and with Mr. Mick McLaughlin, the famous busker from Dublin. And it's a fantastic honour for me to feature Mick. What a story he has between his music and his own personal story. And I hope that people listening to this podcast will find a lot of inspiration in it because uh, I certainly find Mick's story a great one. 
So, folks, as I say, keep an eye out for episode number 51, which will be coming in the next few weeks. And I have to say, before I finish up again, a massive thanks to everyone that has listened to my podcast throughout so far, up to episode number 50. It's much appreciated. Uh, the Time Out podcast is on all platforms, Instagram. Uh, we've got a Facebook group there as well. Uh, it's on Twitter. So all over the place. It can't be avoided. So uh, do check out the podcast. So for now, folks, from me, Tony McGettigan, to you, the listeners, it's goodbye. For more on the Time Out podcast, visit thetimeoutpodcast.ie. Thanks for listening.